Hey, this is Tyler Murphy, and you're listening to the Lonely Painter Podcast. And for me this week, <clears throat> that title, The Lonely Painter, has kind of taken on some deeper, uh, really profound meaning for me. And I'm going to talk to you about that today. I've written out my thoughts to try to make them as clear as possible, and I kind of wrote a lot of this with several friends in mind who, uh, it seems like I, I know quite a few different friends that are going through breakups, going through transition points in their life, and um, just wanted to write something that hopefully is of some encouragement to them and to myself. And um, it kind of sprang from cracking back open the courage to be and going back through the forwards. Uh, there's two different forwards in this, and in the introduction to the second edition of the courage to be, uh, the writer is talking about Tillich, and he says, uh, Tillich, unlike most professional theologians, was an able and persuasive preacher. And many people got far more from his sermons than from his formal lectures and writings. One of his most famous and popular sermons entitled, You Are Accepted, expanded upon the aspect of the courage to be. Here he made his famous definition of sin as estrangement or separation and described the human condition as separation from God, from self, and from neighbor. We understand ourselves to deserve that separation. We are unlovely and do not deserve love. Having redefined sin as separation, he proceeds to redefine grace as acceptance. This is Tillich's words. Grace strikes us when we are in great pain and restlessness. It strikes us when we walk through the dark valley of a meaningless and empty life. It strikes us when we feel that our separation is deeper than usual, because we have violated another life, a life which we loved, or from which we were estranged. And then he describes the grace coming to us as a wave of light, breaking into our darkness as if a voice were saying, You are accepted. You are accepted, accepted by that which is greater than you, and the name of which you do not know. Do not ask for the name now. Perhaps you will find it later. Do not try to do anything now. Perhaps later you will do much. Do not seek for anything. Do not perform anything. Do not intend anything. Simply accept the fact that you are accepted. If that happens to us, we experience grace. Okay, so that kind of sent me... Uh, on a long journey of thinking about thinking about things, thinking about my life and um, what I would call a religious experience that I had sometime last year, where I feel like I really, I really did find that I was accepting the acceptance of some greater power that I didn't have to do anything anything more and um, I'll expand on that even a little bit more next week because I've written another thing about the idea of Christ crucified and what that 
really means that we don't have to do anything more, that we don't have to sacrifice anything more, that we're accepted, that we're accepted in spite of the fact that we are separated from from our own selves, from who we wish we were, and from our neighbor, and from God. But here's, here's what I really want to share with you today. Um, I'm calling this the separated, lonely, sinful painter. And I'm printing these out to give, to put in the mail to a couple different friends here in Billings. And I have it situated to where it says the lonely painter on top, but then separated and sinful are uh, above and below the word lonely. And I, I don't have this, this line worked in yet, but there's this there's this question that keeps rolling through my head and it's that okay so you've seen the lightning but have you felt the thunder but this writing starts with it is by grace you have been saved and then that's that's the apostle paul so i say though i saw these words written by the apostle paul long ago i only just now feel their vibration within me I contend that regardless of whether or not one believes in God or an afterlife, it is possible to experience the truth of these words, setting aside any hope of future heavenly treasures or the fear of condemnation and the agony of eternal torment. I believe that the existential power, thunder, and life-giving meaning of these words can be brought into this life here and now. Because of the work of the great 20th century theologian, Paul Tillich, I've come to understand sin in a new way. Tillich defines sin as separation. Separation from God, from self, from our neighbor. Because some of us might not believe in the existence of the divine, I won't write of the notion of separation from God, but will instead focus on separation from self and separation from others, and then we'll return to the Apostle Paul's words that I've included above. That we feel separation from our own selves at first seems nonsensical. How can I be separate from myself? But upon second consideration, I realize that so often I do in fact feel separation between who I am and who I wish I was. I wish I was taller. I wish I was in better shape. I wish I was richer wish I was in a loving, exciting, romantic relationship. I wish I was bigger, better, and stronger at just about anything I can imagine. And the distance between these two selves, my actual self, and my idealized self creates within me sadness and guilt for having fallen short. Sin also translates to miss the mark. And so the distance between my present self and my future self that will one day face death and the fact that I lack the knowledge of what that death will be like, how it will happen, whether or not loved ones will hold my hand as I pass, and the enigma of what lies beyond produces in me anxiety. I'm worried by the questions. Am I living up to my potential? Will I ever find love? Does painting or anything even matter? And I might add here, um, I've been... Uh, trying to memorize Hamlet's soliloquy to be or not to be and 
basically what he's saying is that you know to be uh to die would be sweet to 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 uh sleep no more um and in that sleep perchance to dream and he says ah and there's the rub because what what dreams may come uh as we've shuffled off this earthly coil fills fills a man with anxiety that we don't know what's what lies beyond this life fills us with anxiety okay so setting that aside and getting back to this is the part about separation from our neighbor so here i go on to write <clears throat> the separation i've felt at times from my friends my mother my father my brother and ex-girlfriends and all that has led to some of the most torturous days and sleepless nights the grinding of teeth and the wishing that I or they hadn't said what was said or done what was done fills me with longing and regret. But when I return to those words, it is by grace you have been saved, and read Tillich's definition of grace as acceptance, and then ask myself, can I accept that I am not who I wish I was? Can I be okay with being misunderstood with letting people down? Can I be okay being alone? Can I be okay with the fact that there is separation between they and I? Can I be okay with not having certainty in the midst of life's unceasing questions? I take a deep breath, and a yes rises within me. And the guilt of having missed the mark, having fallen short of my ideal self, melts away. And so if the power of grace is, as Tillich claims, the acceptance of acceptance, and if sin is separation, I can thus say, it truly is by grace <clears throat> that I am saved from this lonely, separated, sinful heart of mine. When thought of in these terms, I see the radical saving power of acceptance at every story night. When someone in vitality of spirit and with the courage to be, steps forth and shares. It's one thing to be in a room of acceptance, and it's another to find oneself having accepted that acceptance. And I see it in every love-filled conversation between two or more people. I know it's present when two heartbroken friends find consolation in the warm embrace of the other. To witness someone having accepted or accepting the acceptance is nothing short of a miracle and is, I believe, the manifestation of the kingdom of God. And the joy, and this is also the joy of my heart. That's the end. Somebody a while back asked about, do I think, uh, do I think that our lives are predetermined? And, you know, that's a pretty hard question. It's really interesting when I'm able to link you know, abstract, philosophical, theological ideas to my lived experience and see, uh, and see if there's, if they still hold water. This idea of, of acceptance, accepting acceptance, it's, it really is, as I say at the end here, it really is something that I see at story night. Somebody feels this insistence within them to 
get up and share something. And then before they know it, they're up in front of everybody sharing. And so in a sense, they've, without even maybe realizing it, they've accepted the acceptance of the room. Was that a choice? I don't know. It wasn't a, a choice to have that insistence within them. It was a, a, a something within them gave them the courage to step forth and act and to be. <laughs> yeah, the courage to be. And, the, you know, you link that with just even what it means to, to say amen. Because basically Tillich eventually what he says about the courage to be is it's the ability to take in all of life, the good and the bad, and to be able to say amen to that life, which amen means let it be, you know. So we should all probably just go listen to the Beatles song, Let It Be, rock out to that, and um, I think that's all I have for you this week. I am, uh, so much of this stuff has been on my mind this week. Oh, I don't know if I really brought it back around to saying, you know, as I was thinking of all of this and thinking about, you know, it even says somewhere, uh, I forget where, but it says, you know, when we confess our sins one to another, you know, retranslate that to when we confess how we've fallen short, confess how we're not who we wish that we were to somebody else, the things that we struggle with, that that brings healing. And when I think about sin as separateness, and then I go back to the title of this podcast, The Lonely Painter. When I was in the shower and that all uh, clicked for me, um, that was a pretty exciting moment. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. It's uh, brought a lot of healing to my life to be able to work through different ideas, to have a sense that somebody cares about what I have to say. I think we all need that. And I guess if ever I had a prayer for anyone listening and to any of any of my friends it would be that they find themselves in a community in a friendship where they're able to talk about their loneliness with somebody else that's all for this week and be good to yourselves and I'll talk to you next week One last thing before before we go. I want to play for you just a little bit of an interview with Paul Tillich that I found on YouTube. If you type in human fulfillment uh, from Houston Smith, uh, or Houston Smith interviews Paul Tillich and Mark Van Doren, uh, you should be able to find it. We've been talking about uh, human fulfillment. Why do we fall so far short of it? 
we fall away from what we could be, namely united in love through justice and truth, because we want to draw the whole world into ourselves and our finite reality. And this is the old doctrine of the paradise story. You will be like God. That's the temptation. Let me now come back to this idea of reconciliation or acceptance. It's a key notion in your idea of human fulfillment. What does it involve? Everybody has a hidden hostility against his own being. We are hostile against other human beings, even if we believe we love them. We are hostile towards the ground of our being. We are afraid of the inner judgment, which is connected with the principle of justice and love. And so we need this kind of reconciliation. Now, the main impediment against the feeling of reconciliation is uh, that we feel judged, that we feel rejected, condemned, or however you express it. And therefore, the first and basic step in the process of reconciliation is that we get the feeling we are accepted. And I like to express that in the little bit paradoxical phrase, accept that you are accepted in spite of being unacceptable. That's uh, the summary of my theology in this respect. And this means that uh, though there are drives, tendencies within us which lead to consequences which we could interpret as standing judgment upon us, uh, there is at the same time uh, a power uh, which, despite all that we do, works in our behalf towards uh, healing. Yes, towards healing, and we have now again the very interesting fact that theology has learned a lot from psychotherapy. The good psychotherapist accepts the patient and doesn't uh, put moral demands upon him. He doesn't say, don't drink, but he say, I know you are drinking too much, so let's see where it comes from. You are my friend, we all are in the same boat. I also am judged in many respects, but in any case, I accept you, I hope you can accept me, and now let's go on and find out what the background of this is. Now this kind of medicine has taught the ministers of today quite a lot, namely that they shall do what they always speak of, namely the good news. The good news is not that one shall be good, but the good news is that one can be good although one is not good. Dr. Tillich, if the human race should destroy itself by blowing up this planet, would this...